0: The Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. Zaddies, I care about you very deeply. So, yes, I care about your magnesium levels. Everyone is talking about how critical magnesium is. Dr. Hyman, Dave Asprey, Andrew Huberman, all of the health industry authorities and doctors. Doctors use magnesium for all kinds of things, right? Arrhythmia, constipation, preeclampsia, even seizures. It's really essential to our health and well-being. And when you're deficient, it can increase your risk of all diseases and keep you from performing optimally. And we shouldn't wait until we are magnesium deficient to start eating magnesium. Now, usually I would tell you to eat a balanced diet, but you can't actually get enough magnesium from your diet alone. And the reason for that is our soil is so overworked and mineral depleted and lacking organic matter, which helps the plants get the minerals from the soil, right? But fortunately bio-optimizers has the solution their magnesium breakthrough supplement is the only product in the market with all seven types of magnesium. And it's specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. BioOptimizes' magnesium breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum, right? All of the magnesiums, which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep and boosting those energy levels. And we all need that, right? Right now, you can try Bio-Optimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough and any other Bio-Optimizer's product for 10% off. Just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash zaddy. That's magbreakthrough, M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash zaddy. Use code zaddy to boost your intake of magnesium and start feeling better today. XOXO, zaddy.
1: So today I'm talking to Rob Riches. Now, I have only known Rob personally for a couple of months, but I have known of Rob for years. In fact, I still do his ab workouts, which I found on YouTube years ago. He is a, a bodybuilder, he was a physique champion, he was a uh, fitness model, and he's been doing this for a long time, and I think longevity in this industry means so much. Um, and he's released a book. It's called Ultra Lean: The Nutrition Manual. That's him on the front, me on the back strangely. I don't know why you put me on the back. Was that the reason good, for that? Great, good shout out. Great shout. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great back. So, uh, we're talking to Rob today about this book. I want to know what is your philosophy on nutrition, particularly like why did you write this book?
2: Was it to make it easy for people to understand? I wanted to make the book because ever since I started weight training, mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a personal journey for me. Right. So, what I mean by that is I wanted to understand it. I wanted to learn it. I wanted to do it all on my own. I've never had a coach, never, never had a nutritionist, never really had anyone to tell me what to do. Yeah. Because I felt if they knew it, then I could learn it. And if I knew it, I wouldn't need to either pay them or rely on them. Yeah. I think it was more, for, I've always liked doing stuff myself. So, doing my first competition, which was 2005 now, that was my first chance to put all of this understanding into action from my training and nutrition. And I did, pre- I won the show. And that kind of spurred me on to continue doing these shows and ultimately resulted in me being able to come to America and live and work here. Right. So the nutrition book was sort of everything that I knew from training and from nutrition, not just eating food, but like getting your body into ridiculously low levels of body fat. Mm. Not for everyone. I'm not preaching this to anyone, but it's here's how I did it. And for anyone who wants to follow those same footsteps, whether it's all the way or just sort of under, have a good understanding about food, Yes. then I wanted to put it down. And I honestly couldn't find anything that checked all the boxes for me. There'd yeah. be great books about, about nutrition, plenty about cooking, but none that kind of laid it out where, look, if somebody was doing a photo shoot competition or just for health and just for general benefits mm-hmm. and they're like, I wanna know what you did and how you did it. Here it is. It's kind of a journal, but also a, a textbook approach to give some understanding to a lot of areas that might seem pretty complex and difficult yeah. to understand and to try and make it easy that, you know, my dad could read it and understand what I knew yeah, and then use segments of it that he might want to.
1: So this is about, really about how you did it. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Rob, not only, he knew what he knew, but then he put it into practice and he won and he was winning and like he was actually doing it. So I think that's important for people to know because people usually use using dietitians or PTs who don't know what they're talking about, yeah. who don't
2: actually put it into practice. You did it and you won. I find it interesting because when I was doing it, there was no social media. I mean, YouTube had just started that same year. Wow! And in fact, that probably is a big part of why I put all these videos out on YouTube because yeah. it was in the early years of me training, figuring stuff out where I'm like, oh, this is... And I look back at some of them now and if I see that video where it's like training abs, like, damn, this guy is just like... In the gym, shirtless, but showing and telling everything of what he's doing and how and why. Yes. And at the time, I didn't, you know, there, there wasn't this concept of social media like that. It was just a way that I could document it. Yes. And video yes. format was a great. I didn't have to write it down. Prior to that, I, I remember someone saying he was doing a competition. Or oh, how do you affect your water and your carbs and your salt? And I would write everything down. And it took two hours. And then when YouTube launched, and I'm like, I just, and I was doing media studies at school, so it was this perfect. Uh, arrangement where I had a, a decent video camera. I understood it. I was getting into training and I thought, let me just document all of this in a way that at the very least, if somebody says, hey, how do you do that? Here's a video on how I did it. Yeah, right. Okay. So you used
1: social media, you used YouTube in particular to journal what you were doing all the time rather
2: than a pushing out information to people, which you were. You were also just writing it down for yourself to know. Yeah, and if you look back at the early, early videos, they were literally that. A camera following me around. Hey, you know, now I'm doing this. And Mm -hmm. and it was like an insight into... I was talking to the younger me. Yeah. The 15-year-old kid in me that was like, I want to weight train, but I don't know anything about it. I was addressing him, my younger self, as if I literally went back in time. and was like, hey, look, if you do this and do it like this and you eat like this and don't do that, you're going to fast track all the months or years that you're sort of figuring it out into just doing the necessary things that delivers results. Yeah, so, there's, so a
1: lot of people could read this book in order to get healthy, but a lot of people may be reading this book in order to become physique competitors, bodybuilders. Is it ideal for those individuals, do you think? Very much, I mean, it
2: lays it out step by step. It gives uh, an understanding into how and why certain things should be done and why mm-hmm. things shouldn't be done. Uh, but it definitely gives a sort of uh, a blueprint as to read through this, Start to follow this. And this isn't all laid out for me. This, this gives the understanding of if somebody's 230 pounds, or if they're 150 pounds, if they've just started training, if they're in their 50s, it gives them uh, an approach to kind of put their own data and their own inputs in, mm-hmm. easily work out what they should be looking at, and then lays it out with a whole bunch of different options so it's not like a one-stop shop, follow plan, only do this. Uh, I wanted it much wider. Like I said, I, my parents... People that I meet who are in no way interested in getting on stage or taking their clothes off and taking photos, but they just want to have a healthier understanding on, on their nutrition. Mm. I feel this covers it.
1: Yeah, and you're not. a I imagine that you're not a big guy, and you're, you're not about cutting certain macronutrients. Like you're not a low carb guy, you're not a low
2: fat guy. Am I right about that? More of a balanced approach. Yeah, yeah. You know, I found the best results was. Um, I mean, I, I think I mentioned up here that the three rules of eating. Food, portion, and time. Those are the right. three things. If I'm consistent with what I'm eating, when I'm eating, and how much, then I found that I can sustain that for you know, certainly a few months, increase my cardio, affect my kind of fat-burning capabilities through exercise. Yep. Um, balance is key. People might talk about carb cycling, which is a really useful approach to monitoring and modifying your carb intake. Mm-hmm. But I see people talk about, hey, just cut your carbs out for a week. And then eat whatever you want on, on the weekend. Yeah. And there's so many mistruths to that or even dangers that somebody can go out and do that. We're talking the amount of blood sugar. We're talking insulin within their bodies. You know, if people are susceptible to um, to uh, diabetes. That kind of approach to eating could be, you know, literally fatal. could be dangerous to right. them. So, um, yeah, I want this to be a safe and effective. I mean, it's pretty complex, but I think it, it needs to be. We're talking about food, and it's not just... Don't eat that, eat this, Mm -hmm. limit some of this and and you'll be fine. Yeah. There's this whole understanding of, um, I've had doctors as well that have read this and be like, I never really got it that way. And I thought like, this is crazy because Mm -hmm. you go to school for like eight years, but they may only look at nutrition for like two days or even less than that. So exactly. Yeah, you know, a a, a blueprint towards dieting, but not diet in the way that people think as, I need to lose weight, I'm going to diet, I'm going to cut food out. Yeah, exactly. This is diet in the sense of, what one consumes on a regular basis their food groups yes 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 but also understand if you got some body fat and you want to lose it how do you go about doing it in a sustainable way in a safe way and in a way that's not going to result in yo-yoing up and down and, and something that you're just not able to sustain for periods of time exactly okay so that that's cool let's start simple and then yep. we can get more complex yep. let's go <laughs> let's go to like
1: an average plate of food you know almost like a, almost like a pie chart yep How do you view an average meal, an average great meal for somebody who is just starting out with their health journey? How would you break a plate down in carbohydrates, fat,
2: and proteins? I would say protein and carbohydrate should be pretty consistent. Yeah. Carbohydrates are a great source of energy. The body uses them for glucose. The brain needs glucose to function. So when people think about food, it's more than just, is this going to make me fat? You've got to think about what is this fuel used for in the body? Yeah. And carbohydrates... really broken down and assimilated into glucose and the body needs that glucose to function optimally so cutting carbohydrates out um, doesn't really make sense good amount of protein and carbs fat I mean this is a higher amount than I would normally do Mm -hmm. my fat is maybe 20% at most yep Um, a good kind of baseline is maybe 40% protein 40% carbs maybe a little bit high on carbs and fat 15 to 20 That's a really good kind of baseline approach to giving your body the essential Amino acids, the building blocks that it needs to function to be able to repair, to grow, to recover. Yep. The energy that it needs for just optimal brain function as well. Yes. Um, Fats, interestingly, fat and protein both have essential components. Essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, meaning that the body needs them from dietary source. It can't manufacture them on its own. Yep. Carbohydrates doesn't have anything essential. It's not essential glucose. Yeah. The body can actually convert energy From protein, gluconeogenesis is the process. Hmm. Gluconeogenesis, a metabolic
1: pathway that results in the generation of glucose from certain non-carbohydrate carbon substrates. So essentially that's turning protein into energy for the body.
2: Through more steps than the body prefers. Okay. So this is where a lot of the confusion comes, which is why the book is so many pages that it is. If you drop carbohydrates out because, oh, you said they're not essential. Well, technically, they're not. So I can just eat protein and fats, which, I mean, what are you eating just to get protein and fats? Mm-hmm. You cut carbohydrates out, and you're only eating protein or animal sources, meat. Yep. So you're only eating meat with extra fats. You know, that, that's it's like going out with the car. You've got fuel in it, but you've got no wiper wash. You've got mm-hmm. no radiator fuel. You're lacking some of the essential components for optimal functioning. Yeah. And that's, again, what this comes down to. How do you look and live and function the best way possible, rather than just I want to get to a ridiculously low level of body fat, often through drug use, mm. which I've never touched. I don't advocate it. Each to their own. Yeah. But you know, is that achievable without drugs? To a degree, yeah. I'm never going to walk around 230 pounds stacked full of muscle at 3% body fat, but at times I can push my body down to like 3% body fat at 170 pounds.
1: Right. But a lot of people are talking about low carb diets. A lot of people who are pushing low carb diets and low fat diets are often talking about making sure your body gets into a calorie deficit, aren't they? Mm. But then there's there's this idea that, you know, uh, you can magically eat more of the good things and you'll lose weight, but it's actually losing weight is only because of a calorie deficit. Is that right? To a degree.
2: Okay. Uh, And I think I can explain it with a little example here. So... Ultimately, yeah, calorie intake is going to be the biggest decider of, am I burning fat? Um, These are muscle cells, okay? And Mm -hmm. these little dimples on uh, show the receptors on muscle cells. So basically, if you look at two ends of the spectrum, it's called that muscle cell, not on a fat cell. They both have receptors. You can think of them like dimples on a golf ball. Mm -hmm. When you eat food, you're going to be storing it in the form of muscle or liver cells mm-hmm. or storing it in the form of fat cells oh, that's okay. the that's the end storage capacity that the body can can go to yep it will also use energy from muscle or use energy from fat mm-hmm. so when people think about cutting their calories or dropping their carbohydrates they think in a very literal sense well if my body's not getting carbohydrates it's just got fat as this fuel source that it's just going to offer up mm-hmm. which is true to a degree now when you reduce your uh, calorie intake, when you lower the amount of energy that you're giving your body, to a degree, the body will start to take of out from fat. But if the body goes for too long without having excess food put back in, mm-hmm. the body would actually, actually rather waste muscle. It will catabolize it. It will eat itself wow. to save fuel for um, fat. Mm-hmm. And the reason is muscle is metabolically active. It requires energy to function. and we technically technically should be walking around with that much muscle. This is a new, kind of relatively new thing that we want for aesthetics. We want to look well muscled, lean. Our body much prefers holding body fat as survival fuel. Mm. So when you drop calories by too low, um, fat will initially be used as the reserve fuel. Mm. But let's say after two or three days of lowered carb, calorie intake, carbohydrates, mm-hmm. your body will start to shift. It will lower its metabolic. Kind of uh, level, it will reset itself. So if you're having 3,000 calories a day and you've dropped calories, maybe a thousand, you're now at 2,000 calories. Yes, fat will provide your body with fuel for a few days. Got it. By day four or five, your body starts to go, hmm, we're uh, we're not kind of getting out of this uh, um, this problem. lower carbohydrate. Yeah. So yeah. let's shift gears. Let's reduce our metabolism, meaning we're going to be able to function more efficiently at a lower calorie tape, mm-hmm. which already means you've shut off fat storage, so the floodgates have closed, locked shut, and the body will start to go, we've got all this muscle that is holding essential nutrients that we need to function, um, it itself is costing us energy, so let's start to catabolize, let's start to eat our own muscle, mm. we're not talking a huge amount, but we're talking about a shift from going to fat storage or fat usage as fuel, mm-hmm. that subtle shift might be just enough where the body goes, well, we're not going to use any more fat. Let's start to waste muscle and hold on. So it's these intricacies and these small percentages that can shift the body into whether it's storing or using either muscle or fat. Mm -hmm. This sort of misconception is true, but there's many more steps to it than just the sort of overall sense of, if I reduce carbohydrates, am I going to lose fat? Yes, but... And it's that butt that a lot of people are like, I don't care about that. Right. Until they start following it and they're like, I've been doing this for a week and like nothing's happening now and I feel tired, and I don't have energy in the gym and I look flat. It's mm-hmm. like, well, your body's completely shifted into that. Let's waste muscle and let's hold on to body fat. So there has yes. to be this intricate dance of carb cycling is really three or four days lower carb, one day refeed. Yes. And by refeed I mean a small amount in. We're talking twenty percent extra. Yeah. Yeah. Um you want me to give you a real kind of simplified approach to carb cycling? Yeah, so that's
1: that's what I was gonna say. So this is carb cycling. This is going, okay, so after about two to three days of going low carb, your, your body's like, I'm gonna start eating the muscle mm-hmm. if you don't give me carbohydrates. Basically right. Then you're like, okay, now add in carbohydrates. After two days, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Two days lower carb, then a higher carb day, right? That's what we're going for.
2: Essentially, yeah. Three mm-hmm. days, 72 hours of reduced carb intake. Yep. Um, and I found, and I've been, I've been trying this over the years. I found about thirty percent reduction. So, in order for the carb cycling to be effective, one needs to have, I call it a baseline intake, mm-hmm. a sustained, pretty consistent intake for, let's say, three or four weeks. If you're fluctuating, if you're eating all over the place, and you start to drop your carbs to your body, that it's not really seeing a carb reduction because you've got all these fluctuations. So, you need to, I call it, calm in the waves. Mm-hmm. You need to calm the waves, have a nice calm consistent nutritional intake so let's say you're eating about the same amount of calories each day spread out throughout four or five meals or snacks throughout the day you're pretty consistent each day for the course of let's say a month mm-hmm. it takes a bit of effort to do but by that time you've created a bit of a habit yep. you're always starting to see some benefits from being uh, having a, a eating structure like that but fat loss will start to slow down because you're giving your body the same type of fuel and at some point your body will adjust its metabolic rate and say, well, we're gonna get by on less fuel than we need so we don't have to keep giving up body fat. So what happens when you get to that state where you're like, I'm not seeing the same results as I was in the first few weeks? That's where carb cycling comes in. So in short, reduce your carbs by 30% for three days. Mm -hmm. If you're having 300 grams of carbs each day and you've been pretty consistent for a month, and your fat loss starts to slow down. What do you change? Percentages are key. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, I'm just going to drop my carbs all together, right, which right. puts your body back into that state of alert, and you're not going to coerce it into giving up body fat. Yeah. The body got to be careful how I say this. It's like a relationship. Yeah. Right. And so you got to be you got to be really careful about how you approach things. If you're too abrupt and too abrasive at times, what are you going to be met with? Resistance. Yes. 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 Same thing with the body. Yes. So you've got your 300 grams, you reduce it by a third. Take off a third, we've got 400 calories lost each right. week. Mm-hmm. It's a small difference. What happens is after three or four days, and this shows a five-day approach, because I, I wanted to keep it simple, Monday through Friday, Yeah. slightly lower carb intake, Saturday, Sunday, slightly higher. Yeah. A third off, what happens is when we increase the carbs back at the weekend by having a little bit more than we were used to here, We're limiting the body from going into that sort of potential muscle wastage time. Um, We're also affecting other hormones. Uh, IGF-1, which is an insulin-like growth factor hormone, really good for muscle building as well. Mm -hmm. The body releases that when body fat levels start to get low. It's not sustainable. It happens after three or four days of a a slight carb reduction. Got it. So reducing carbs, forcing the body to kind of coercing it to giving up a little bit more fat. Mm -hmm. Um, But what happens is the body will start to adjust itself and balance out. So then we reintroduce carbs back in. We fill back the muscle cells. So that sugar that's going in, and people are like, well, if I eat carbs, aren't I going to get fat again if I'm reducing? You've got to think about that relationship between muscle and fat. Yeah. We're limiting the amount of sugar going into muscles as well. So that when we add these new carbohydrates back in, our muscle cells are going to be more receptive. Yeah. They'll take and accept the, the sugar First and foremost, and we're not putting a huge amount in. I mean, we've gone up to three hundred and sixty. Sixty grams more. Yeah. You know, that's an extra bagel or an extra potato or something. Yeah. It's not. It's not going to be enough. Where it's going to spill over into fat storage. Yeah. That, that,
1: that was my question. Like, what does two hundred grams of carb carbs in a day look like in a real way? Like, are we talking about? is it a handful how much is 200 grams of carbohydrates
2: depends if you're looking at rice rice. over a potato right um you know let's say an average white russet potato or sweet potato or yam Mm -hmm. you know that's about 300 grams let's say you know about the size of my hand about 300 grams of um uh worth of potato yeah now i look at everything as per 100 grams okay so we might have 20 grams of carbohydrates per hundred So for that one potato, we've got 60 grams of carbs. Yeah. We'd see here if you were trying to make up 200, that's really two and a half potatoes or two potatoes throughout the day and a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah, it's all relative. The reason I'm sticking with such rigid numbers is because without this structure, you're just gonna be following a sense of, I'm hungry, I'm not hungry, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't eat that. I've had people say, does it really make a difference with you being so kind of fickle about the numbers? Maybe not, but it gives me a starting point. Right. And right. so if I'm following this and I'm not seeing the results that I want, I have somewhere that I can go to and change that factor. Yes. Well, instead of taking off a third, let me take off half. Let me push it a little bit harder because that wasn't working. As opposed to, don't worry about numbers, just eat less. Right. Oh, how much less? Just less. And then eat more. How much more? Just more. Yeah. It, you know, where, where are the boundaries for people to, to understand and follow?
1: Yeah, and once they get a habit for it, it'll just be like normal. They'll just understand it. Once they understand the little things, they can go, okay, well, I just wanna eat less. Yeah. you know, And minus, so like, let's just say these five days, minus a potato. These two days, add a potato.
2: In a a simple approach, yeah. Yeah. Maybe add even two potatoes. Yeah, the the great thing about the carb up days is, we should add some balloons here. Think of a, a muscle cell like a balloon blow the balloon up you get this increased surface area you can store more glycogen in it Mm. that balloon becomes deflated it's the same as muscle and fat so both think of them as like water balloons so as we're decreasing our energy intake carbohydrates energy glucose we're also limiting the amount of sugar that our muscle hold which if you think about it in the weight, weight weight room when you're working out that's the main source of fuel for working out Sugar. Sugar, muscle glycogen. Yeah, you don't really use fat for weight training. No, use fat for cardio. Use yeah. fat when you're more at rest for kind of more um, easy kind of energy level activities. Mm-hmm. So we're reducing the amount of stored energy in muscle during our controlled lower carb days. Yeah, got it. Which means as soon as we put some higher carbs in, which can be fast-acting carbs, they can be simple sugars, they can be bagels, they can be a a muffin. There's something that we wouldn't normally think of as like, I need to eat this within my diet to still lose weight. Yeah. But on these higher-carb days, you can. In fact, it's good because you want to start to create this replenishment of simple sugars going into the muscle cell. Mm -hmm. So I follow a low-carb day saturday morning or even end of friday go to the gym have a big weight workout yeah what have i done i've increased the receptiveness of my muscle cells where they're like they're hungry for carbohydrates so as soon as i put something carb-based in my meal and i'm eating more than i was for the past five days my body sees that as oh we got the simple sugars let's pack them away into the the glycogen hungry muscle cell yeah right so can someone eat bagels and Dry fruits or anything that's got a high sugar content and still lose fat, yes, but there needs to be several steps in place before they start doing that. Yeah. Not just don't eat carbs and then go eat your bagel.
1: Okay, so what I'm seeing is in your day it's breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, and dinner. That's that's it, right? I'd say five meals.
2: But, but yeah, five meals.
1: Okay, perfect. And then so you're really concentrating your carbohydrates around those early points of the day when the muscle is begging for carbohydrate and sugar. That's right, yeah.
2: yeah. Breakfast and post-workout, are probably the t- well, post-workout first, then breakfast, are going to be the two sort of most important times to have the carbohydrates, the types of carbohydrates, and the amount. Yeah. So if you were to think, well, you're taking your protein, you are and you put that pretty evenly throughout the day, is that the same for carbohydrates and fat? I'd say, well, carbohydrates, if I've got five meals, I might drop that into four and say, you know, A third of that or half of that goes towards breakfast Mm -hmm. and the rest for post-workout. And then the remaining third spread or just cut between the other two meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're getting to the point where I'm like really finicky and focused on on specific certain numbers and percentages. Yeah. But when you're following something for a length of time and then you're like, well, how much more can I get out of it? You're going to start to do little things that you're like, this gives me an extra one or two percent. Is it worth me doing it? Yeah. At that level, yeah. But it still makes sense for the average person. You know, if you're going to have so many carbohydrates throughout the day, when should you eat them? So it's a viable question. Breakfast and after you do some sort of weight-bearing resistance exercise are yeah. going to be the most important times as opposed to steadily throughout the day and especially just at night time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So timing, so timing how you eat your carbohydrates, you
1: think that's majorly important, not only um, in a week, but also in, throughout
2: the day, how you yeah. time those carbohydrates. You know, what you eat, the quality of the food... Yep. How much of what you eat, mm-hmm. you know, spread and split throughout the day. And also timing, again, within a four or five hour window at most. Mm-hmm. Let's go through, this is going to be
1: fun. We're going to do, I want to know your three favorite sources of protein, three favorite sources of carbohydrate, three favorite sources of fats. And then I want you to give me your three favorite sources and then your three
2: favorite sweeteners. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> protein. Um, I mean, whitefish is going to be the best. Egg whites and white fish are way up there. Yep. Chicken is just—it's just versatile and easy. Yep. So uh, I, I go with a uh, chicken. I love salmon. Great source of um, fish is a really good protein for us. Yeah. Our body can absorb and, and digest and assimilate it quicker than animal protein and meats. Mm-hmm. Um, higher in fat, omega three fatty acids. Again, essential yep. fatty acids. So I count that the body needs it. So we go with chicken, salmon. Um, and I like beef. I like beef. So yeah. beef would be the third one. Um, carbohydrates. Potatoes are a good one. It's just yeah. easier to cook in a number of different ways. Yeah. Uh, sweet potato and brown rice. And people are like white rice or brown rice. Like white rice is, is removed of all of the, the fibers, so it's a faster acting carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily bad, it's just not something I would want to sustain myself throughout the day compared to brown rice. Right. So that's sort of that argument. there's a there. slower releasing carbohydrate, yeah. so you have And slower percent releasing percent means less sugar into the blood. Um, all at once yeah which means my body's not having to deal with a, an influx of blood sugar mm-hmm. which it will do so by releasing insulin which is a storage hormone which will take sugar out of the blood offer it up to muscle and liver cells if they're not too active fat will get it so yeah there's that potential for fat storage or at least i look at it if it's not fat storage you're limiting fat loss got it um fats Flaxseed oil is my probably go-to one. Yep. Raw nuts, not cooked, because that devalues the quality. It brings about roundedness and can change the structure. Yep. So everything's raw in terms of nuts and even yep. vegetables mostly. Um, Avocado, so I can use it a lot. Yeah, yum. And then, yum. now what about...
1: Your know, sauces, things that you're putting. I know that you only, you know, you mostly eat for the nutritional value and not the taste. I'm the same way, and I think it's a great idea for people out there who are wanting to get in shape. It <laughs> if you can definitely can...
2: get dry, and yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I use sauces a sorry. lot, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what are sauces you use? Um,
2: there's like a lemon vinegar that I get from Trader Joe's. They nice. have a lot of really good stuff, by the way. Yeah, like, It's good nutrition, yeah. good quality, high value, um, and it's tasty. So, a lot of these sauces, um, you know. Make sure I don't have a high fructose corn syrup. Right, that's bad. Yeah, bad for our body. Yeah, Um, I I look for stuff with the least amount of ingredients tends to be the better stuff. Yeah. So if you're looking at the nutritional facts on the back and there's a whole bunch of ingredients, most of which you can't even pronounce, Mm -hmm. chances are it's not going to really be too good for you. Yeah. So uh, light sauces that just bring about a flavour that I'm like, "This is good." Yeah. As opposed to these thick sauces, Um, like marinara sauce works really well, especially if I'm having chicken or beef. Yep. And all of these are like an extra 30 or 50 calories per serving. It's, like, right. it's not really going to make any difference. Yeah. Um, I like mustard. Yeah, yum. Yeah. Salt? Yeah, Yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty big component of salt. Okay, good. But using it for like understanding what it really does for the body. So mm-hmm. there's this intricate relationship between sodium, carbohydrates, and water. Yeah. And so when people cut salt out and they think, all right, I, I lose water weight you're creating a bit of a cascade effect. Everything's temporary, so the body works like a pendulum. It will always readjust itself. Mm -hmm. So cutting out salt works really well. You know what works even better? Introducing salt in, which I'm not advocating people to do, but I remember when I was competing, there'd be a period during the final weeks of my competition where I'd be adjusting my carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. increasing my water, also increasing my salt. Mm. Because what happens is only by a small amount, two or three grams, which might sound really high, but I'm also using salt for weight training. Right, it Gets harder, pumps in the muscle, uh, better vasodilation, so more nutrients and blood can flow to my muscle. Yep. But so I increase a little bit of salt in. When I cut it out for two days, what happens is it creates a bit of a cascading effect where my body would pull out water. It would hold everything in the muscle cell, so I'd get this big, full muscle cell, but my body would flush subcutaneous water. All the, all the water under my skin sure. would flush out. Yeah. And by limiting my salt, that would happen. So you'd get this, in the sense of a bodybuilder, Big, hard, ripped muscles with very low body fat levels that you could see everything—paper thin skin because yeah. you flushed out the water.
1: Yeah, perfect.
2: What happens was after the competition, you get a rebound effect, and so your body just holds and stores something like a sponge, so you'd look soft. You know, it looks like you haven't been dieting for certainly the last four four weeks. Or because so. you've added carbohydrates back in, or because it's too much
1: salt, it's getting serious. Uh, it,
2: it's like it's like a sponge that I rinse all the water out. Yeah. And that's my, that's my final few days of dieting where mm. everything is, uh, is not sustainable and it's something I would do just to really get an effect. Yes. You know, this window of big, full muscles and low body fat and mm. like not much body uh, water under the skin. But the body can only hold it for a certain amount of time. And what do you do after a competition? You go and eat. Yeah. You don't go back to dieting. You go out and eat. There is a good uh, argument for reverse dieting, which I, I've learned to reintroduce foods back in, not all at once.
0: Mmm, sweeteners
1: that you love.
2: Uh, I'm big on stevia.
1: Yeah, stevia me
2: too. is a uh, calorie-free um, extract from a, a tree, a leaf. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't elicit a response in the brain uh, taste receptors where the body thinks it's getting something sweet. Right. And even though these these uh, calorie calorie-free sweeteners that you see a lot in foods, uh, sucralose being one, yeah. they may not have any um, calories, but they still elicit a response where the body will release insulin so what happens if you're getting a sweetener but you're still eating a lot of food your body will release insulin you've already got a lot of food in your system so the body will use that insulin to pull all that out so sugar may not be the the prime villain here but having something that tricks the body into thinking it's sweet so that's the danger one of the dangers of these artificial sweeteners they may not give you calories but they're still giving your body something sweet right and if you're eating a lot of calories certainly fast acting sugars or fats with that artificial sweetener then you can still result in fat gain. Yeah, right. So uh, stevia doesn't do that. Xylitol is another great one, yeah. which is present in uh, a lot of gums. Yeah, good for the teeth. Toothpaste as well. Interesting, you know why? No. Okay, it's, it's to do with it being one molecule less, which doesn't bring about the bacteria in the saliva. Mm. So um, that's that's why they include it in all of these um, chewing gums, uh, toothpastes. And the other fact, oh, it's it's, it's like, thirty times sweeter than sugar or something. So yeah. a little bit of these can actually, you know, we're not putting all this artificial chemicals into our body. Mm-hmm. We're using a small amount of natural, naturally produced substances that give us that sensation of it being sweet without tricking the brain into here's sugar. Let's release insulin. Yeah, honey is the other one. It's my third one. Oh yum! I love honey. Yeah,
1: great. So uh, I think I've learned so much today, and I'm, I <laughs> I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a leaning out phase myself. So I. Um, I think I'm after a year of gaining, I'm like I think I want to get back to this. I think this sounds like something I could really try. Is going into a low carbohydrate or lower carbohydrate because it's not low carb. That's that's it's the just key. lower. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The key is whatever you've been doing for let's say four weeks, at least four weeks. Yep. Use that as your baseline numbers: your mm-hmm. protein, your carbs, your fats, your calories. Yeah. Whatever that might be that you've been sustaining for several weeks. Use those numbers as your kind of anchor yep. and then make, I mean, like 33% less carbs mm-hmm. results in 400 less calories. What's interesting is that when you add up the total calorie deficit over the week compared to the previous four weeks, it results in uh, only 15% less. Right. So by carb cycling in week five mm. over four weeks of consistent, you've affected your end of the week total calorie increase by 15%. Yeah, That's not a lot. And mm. if you remember back to the state of alert, anything more than that, to a degree, kind of puts the body into a state of alert. Right, right. So the whole point is you don't want to shock the body and try to force it into fat loss. It will resist that. Yeah. Small changes that will bring about a state that the body will potentially give up a little bit more body fat without sacrificing muscle. Yes. And you've got this kind of slight wave effect, which is why I called it wave effect. Mm-hmm. Um, because at each time that you bring the carbohydrates low, potentially you're giving up just a little bit more body fat but then you're limiting the body from going into a metabolic shutdown mm. by bringing carbs back in. And when you think of it like that, you're like, wait, so I can actually, I can eat some of the bad foods and still be losing fat without seeming like I'm dieting. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let's
1: talk about this book, Ultra Lean Nutrition Manual. Where do we
2: get this? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. Uh, it's on my website, which is just my name. hmm and then these things that I'm seeing here—is it? Is it everything is from the book. Yeah, oh, everything great. that we're doing here, everything that I'm talking about, I mentioned about state of alert. Sure. Now, how else can we follow you? You're on Instagram and you're on YouTube. How do we follow you there? Rob Richards Fitness on Instagram. Okay, and yeah, YouTube, Rob Richards, just just Rob Richards. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok. So, I don't really do too much. Of that. Not there yet. I don't really do too much of that. Well, well I'm, I'm old school in the sense. join the teenagers. I get it. I've always been one. Stay in my own lane. Yeah, I do it my way. This is who I am. Yep, and it works. This is what I put out. It works. My YouTube videos yeah. are long because, mm-hmm. you know, like when I was in the gym, it's like, hey, I want to show you what I do. Sixty seconds doesn't allow me to show. It shows here's an exercise, what I've done, but not I do it like this instead of that. Or so I've always been wanting to to pay forwards simply mm-hmm. because when I was young and I had one or two individuals who told me everything. Yeah, and it made such a big difference to the changes and what I knew and, and what I could do with it. Yep. that I always thought hey if I was in that similar position where um, I could influence people in that sense then I want it to be factual I want it to be informative and I want it to be something different than they you know haven't heard a hundred times already yeah where they're like that made sense to me yes And yeah. so yeah all, all of this stuff which is a huge effort to make these to get them printed out to bring in here to have people working with me have crew and then edit it and to put it all out there at a really, you know, really reasonable price. This mm-hmm. isn't like, oh, thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's like one personal training cost. Yeah. Because I think, uh, you know, I, th- I think who else is doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, mate, you're incredibly industrious and now you've written this
1: book so we have a way to kind of get inside your head and plus, like, you just don't understand how you can, af- you do understand how you can affect people but like, think about me. I had no idea who you were. I'm still doing your ab workout 10 years on. Like, you've got to, take it on, know that you're killing it. You are. And also your longevity, like doing this for so long through all the fads, just being consistent, I think uh, you're no doubt an inspiration to a lot of people. So thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, man. thank you. pleasure.
2: Yeah. No, I, uh, I love what you do. You make people laugh. You're, uh, you you know, diverse in what you can do and what you do do. Mm-hmm. And uh, do-do. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> You know, uh, and when we connected and we had that workout, mm-hmm. um, I just felt that that genuine authenticity, mm-hmm. which I think is lacking more so today than it has, mm-hmm. or rather, there's an influx and heavily saturation of self-proposed comedians and right. you know, fitness gurus and all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of which have some great information, but also many of them don't. Yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to for for much of what I want to do is that. Look, you don't have to like what I, I put out there. Yeah, you don't even have to believe it, even though you can go fact check it. But at least I'm doing it in a way where some people might go, that makes sense. And if it makes sense, then it's easier for them to, to take on. And a uh, few people, uh, quite a few people, that have kind of done various aspects of this, have come back with these stories, and they've influenced other people. Yeah, that, that's look doing the competitions, getting magazine covers, doing it. It's it's. Selfless, a lot of it is personal and it's rewarding. You know, as a young kid who doesn't want to be on the cover of a magazine, but meeting people or hearing from people who have changed an aspect of their life or changed others' lives mm-hmm. um, from having seen or heard something I've been a part of, um, you know, that, that makes me honestly go to bed at night thinking I did some good today. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. So for everybody out there listening in, follow Rob on YouTube,
1: Instagram, You've got to buy his book, Ultra Lean Nutritional Manual nutrition manual. um, And also be aware of who you're listening to. You're listening to somebody who's done it, been there, done that continues to learn and is giving you all their information. So again, cheers, mate. Yeah.
0: you. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Zaddy zone, I encourage you to subscribe and rate our podcast five stars. And if you feel so generous, please write a review, say how much you loved it, Um, I only want to provide value to you, and I hope you're feeling some value by listening to it. We're not asking for any money. Just a nice old rate, review, subscribe. XOXO. Zaddy.